up, guys? Welcome to the second episode of the TriFlix cast, where we bring in innovative, creative individuals, people that are passionate about topics, and we get to hear about it. We get to understand what drives them, what pushes them so far. And today we have Abby Satam. He is the award-winning award winning filmmaker for the 48-hour film challenge. He's entered several times, and with this last year, uh, we partnered together. He won it, and I think uh, he's going to have a little bit to say about that today. So. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. Uh, so thank you for introducing. And uh, so yeah, last four years, I think we have been participating in 48 Hours Film Festival. Mm -hmm. um, three years, we have learned a lot. But finally, I think fourth year was a lucky one because we had you uh, to partner with us. So it was a really great uh, experience overall. So we put together all three years of learning into the fourth year, uh, which, are, which turned out really well. And that bo boosted our confidence, I think. So hopefully we'll do something bigger and better next time. Yeah. 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 So for people that aren't familiar, what is like the 48 hour film challenge? You've done several of them now. Could mm -hmm. you like walk somebody through that process of like preparation? Like what is, what is this competition? Yeah. So I would call 48 hour uh, film project as a filmmaking on steroid uh, because a lot of us filmmakers, uh, we procrastinate a lot. Mm -hmm. So this is the best way to get rid of that procrastination phase. Uh, so in nutshell 48 hours is you have two days 48 hours to write a film edit shoot edit and finish the entire film with the sound score and everything and submit the film mm -hmm. in 48 hours yeah so uh it first 48 hours we did was 2016 that year was my first year uh with the realization i think in 2010 uh, i had this dream of like <laughs> starting um like focusing more on the filmmaking, doing something. Mm -hmm. But that 2010 to 2016, I was just procrastinating. That like, okay, yeah. I'll do something. Then it's like every filmmaker, you just <laughs> you put it off. You're like, I have all these great ideas, but you never do anything with them. You're like, exactly. oh, if I had the crew, if I had the money, if I had the time. But with the competition, it just kind of forces you to oh, go yeah, straight exactly. into it. Yeah, because as soon as you register, I think, uh, register into the 48-hour film project, you realize that like, okay, you have to deliver now because your name is already there, uh, there is a, you already built a team, mm -hmm. so you have you are answerable to them. And that pushes you to actually excel and at least try to make a film. Every year you tend to learn something new and end up doing something better, I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think overall 48 Hours Film Project is a great learning experience for anybody who wants to make a film. Uh, so I think I would highly recommend it for any level of filmmakers. Any level. Yeah. And what if you, you mentioned like there's learning experiences and with each entry you try to take something away from it. Is there, um, I guess, how many entries specifically have you put in and mm -hmm. is there any key takeaways from those prior ones that you like, wow, I, I'm, I'm so glad I, I entered, even though we didn't win, mm -hmm. I'm glad I got to learn that experience. Yeah, yeah, so I think, so we did total four. So this one was uh, 2019 was the fourth year. Uh, so first year, we were completely raw. We didn't even know exactly what it, what this all is about. And the, I would say the key takeaway was the writing process. So first year, I thought that like we can have like maximum people in the writing team, so we'll get a bunch of ideas and we can figure out which one is good. Mm -hmm. So that was the biggest mistake actually because we had <laughs> enormous number, 20 people in the writing team. Some of them were across the sea in India. Some of them were sitting all parts of US. Yeah. And that process took a long time because at that time I was not sure exactly which story will work and what are the good things and bad things. And that is where I think the key takeaway from all these three years uh, past three years, I would say, the writing process. That's where the most of the time is spent. 
and that's where we kept on developing that like which one or what is the right size of the writing team mm-hmm. and this year finally we de- i decided that like okay i don't want to like have like three or four people it's better to have like one writer who knows his stuff who has already proved some platform or like some somewhere he has already done some great work yeah. and that's what worked for us i think mainly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Wow. Um, so working on this project, this was the first one I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And Abby brought us in with our team, uh, hired us to do the cinematography work. Um, with this competition, w- you guys ended up taking the first place for the people's choice, mm-hmm. the second place for the judges pick, as well as best writing. And, mm-hmm. and if you mentioned like your takeaway was let's switch over to one writer instead of a team of 20. Yeah. Um, is this uh, like what is the um, process? Did the guy start writing the day you received these um, criteria for the short film? Or did you have some takeaways where you like prepared ahead of time? How did that work, that dynamic? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just go back a little bit because first two years, uh, I had no idea about writing. Third year, I started developing my own writing style and started putting in effort. So last year and this year, what I did was 30 days prior to the kickoff of the 48 hours, I promise myself that I'll write at least one story every day. So I had this word file where I had, maybe I think most of them were the crappy ideas, but at least this year I had 30 different ideas or story ideas, maybe four liner story Mm -hmm. uh, prepared for 48 hours, thinking that like I would use, pick up one of those and give it to writer and ask him to develop. Unfortunately, none of those 30 stories this year, what I wrote, (laughs) very useful. But he had, I think, three or four stories already written, um, Uh basic idea of it. So he pitched in three ideas, saying that, like, these are the three stories uh, I had, uh, which are uh, related with the mystery genre. Because we got two genres this year picked, um, mystery and a period piece. So he gave, like, three different stories. One of them, then I started thinking that, like, okay, which one will take the minimum time and where we can put in more effort on the creativity side. Right. Like how can you adapt a script quickly exactly. to these topics rather than spending a lot of time having a great story but then not being able to produce it within 48 hours. That's right, right. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so uh, moving on with like the uh, the preparation, you mentioned that you've done writing for this one as well as some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my understanding is talking off camera, you've done several parts of like uh, the cinematography, you've done the directing, you've done a little bit of everything. Is there a part that you enjoyed the most? And was that something you got to do this time yes. or something you look forward to <laughs> next time? Yeah, so I think one of my uh, areas, key areas where I'm the most comfortable is editing. And really? that that's where I enjoy that stuff a lot. And even in day-to-day life, even if I'm doing the travel videos or stuff, that is the one place where I'm most comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I have done that this year as well um, and the first year as well. And I, I would say that was my key uh, key aspect of the filmmaking which gave me courage to go back and directing actually because I always wanted to direct mm-hmm. but because of the editing skills I could easily visualize exactly how the shot will look like or where we will make the cuts and that also helps you uh, while directing because you are minimizing the time if one of the shot is not working you know that like you can tweak it somehow to right. make it work in editing and plus when you're the director mm-hmm. in most cases you can dictate you, you have that uh, privilege of working with the writer and saying, all right, we're going to do this or we won't do this. Mm-hmm. And then since you did the directing and the editing on this one, it gave you a lot more control with the editing, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah because editing is somehow rewriting. The people say that like you tend to 
write the film film three times first time when you are writing the script second time when you are actually shooting it yeah. or directing it and third time is editing actually rewriting the whole yeah. thing yeah so we've been shooting films for a long time but mm-hmm. i have i haven't heard that one before that's pretty good <laughs> yeah and i this is not my thought actually i heard it on some of the podcast yeah. or uh, some of the book i think yeah mm-hmm. well, that's really cool and um with like like this passion didn't come out of nowhere like i'm sure at some point growing up uh you were piqued in interest how far back does your filmmaking interest go like like five ten was <sighs> it a class you took in school so maybe i think the actual realization or what you call it is a eureka moment was in 2010 i guess uh-huh. uh, that that is a year when i came to us from india mm-hmm. and maybe i think because i was on my own here that's when you get the realization phase or like you get the time to actually think exactly what you want to do in the life um but 2010 is actually when i started thinking of making films um that that's the year i was doing my masters in industrial engineering mm-hmm. so i was still going to the school but i i found similar or like minded friends who were also keen into filmmaking so we ended up uh, with like three short films i shot three short films but we never edited them so those short films are still lying somewhere in my hard drive which we shot in 2010 with some mo- some simple camera i think but we didn't mm-hmm. know exactly i didn't know how to edit uh, so i think it goes back 2010 but the actual doing thing because you think and then you do i think so doing happened in 2016 when i just committed myself thinking that okay i'll do something and i ended up shooting a, so in columbus there is a, a indian festival happens ganesh festival right so i had my iphone that time so i kept on shooting uh, all 7 days of the festival I'm actually not familiar with the festival. For, and, uh, could you explain yeah, what that so is or what what that might yeah, entail? Yeah, so uh, it's a Ganesh festival. It's pretty popular festival in India. So India has like thousand different festival, but this is I would rate is like one of the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually there is a Ganesh idol, uh, which this festival happens here in Columbus in Commons Building, where this history of this festival goes back maybe I think hundred years uh, when uh, Britishers used to rule India. Mm-hmm. this was one festival where everybody used to come together and and it's not just a hindu festival even uh, people from other faiths and religion used to come together to celebrate this festival and that is where this uh, entire independence uh, movement has happened so mm-hmm. it is more of a public gathering uh, for some good faith and stuff and what's it uh, called uh, ganesh festival and ganesh. it's actually happening right now so <laughs> yeah if you if you get a time i think you can uh, visit um, so it, it started yesterday and it will go on till sunday this this sunday okay. so it's a seven day festival and you'll see a big ceremony happening in the downtown on sunday okay well so, for people watching <laughs> this will probably come out after that happens but now you know about the ganesh ganesh festival ganesh yeah. festival that's yeah. really cool the bunch so, of cultures coming together yeah so i shot 7 uh, days uh, with maybe i think i would say 3 hours or 4 hours long footage of 7 mm-hmm. different days and for a year i didn't know exactly what to do with it so after that i started watching bunch of youtube videos and taught myself how to edit on premiere pro mm-hmm. uh, and that was my first video so it that was a documentary for like 9 minutes long documentary there was no dialogue in it but yeah. it had a documentation of all 7 days and it turned out well uh, and that gave me a courage actually to to go ahead and experiment or learn more about the filmmaking and that's the first year i entered into the 48 hours film festival and that the entire journey started from there yeah so it all started with this documentary right yeah exactly so 
you went from making documentaries to entering f- film festivals, several attempts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you came back this year with three awards. What's your goals now? Like you, you won an award. Like that's a filmmaker dream for the mm-hmm. most part. Like what is it to make a short film like or a full length film? Like what, where do you want to be in yes. five, ten years? So five, ten years, maybe I think feature length film for sure. But right now I'm just this is this this film was a four minutes long uh, film. So I'm just trying to develop now some other project which will be probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes long short film uh, mm-hmm. and keep going slowly uh, towards the feature length which is like 90 to 120 minutes uh, long so that is a five years goal to make a feature length film in five years yeah and when you were attending school for engineering or anything before that while you're over in india mm-hmm. was there um was this part of your original plan or you know like what was your goal coming to america oh yeah so, so yeah this this thing was never a plan i would say but i was always even in the school i was attracted to the creative stuff uh, i used to be a caricature artist so i was more inclined towards art throughout my childhood even in the engineering college so uh, i used to perform in my uh, college festivals for dance theater so i have done some bit of theater acting uh, and directing uh, so yeah so that part was always there and i would still say that like it's still part of my life which keeps me alive and i i, I work at, in the daytime i work in company and then once i go back home this is what i do and i keep telling uh, people in my office as well this is how i try to maintain my work life balance because yeah. this is one thing which keeps me sane to go back and like work harder right and actually I, i'm not kidding but it improves my productivity at work mm-hmm. if i work on this small projects like uh, films or painting or anything like creative some some creative stuff after work that just enhances my productivity so both the things are kind of complementary yeah that's really neat uh, with like the dynamic i know a lot of people within the creative field don't they, they go into it mm-hmm you know, feet first, they, they or head first, whatever, they, they jump straight into it and realize that it's not as profitable as they expected, right? And then they're frustrated because maybe they got a degree in it, maybe they went to school for it and they can't find a way. Um, if you could go back, mm-hmm. are you satisfied with the route you took or would you have rather gone into the traditional skip engineering, let's go straight into filmmaking? Like w- with your work-life balance, what do you appreciate more now? Huh, so I, I wouldn't change anything probably. Uh, because one thing is right now that I'm not doing it uh, for the bread and butter. And I, I completely, no, and I completely, what do you call it, respect the people who do it. But at this point, at least, I have the leverage or I have the opportunity to do what I like. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I have to force myself to do. And that's why I appreciate the work-life balance. Plus, if I go back and take in account my because a lot of people say that like your engineering knowledge is completely in vain that like why did you even <laughs> yeah. choose that route but i would still say that like all those experiences uh, come in the play in the filmmaking yeah. because engineering is problem solving <laughs> and filmmaking is as well as problem solving i think so yeah. both things are complementary uh, i appreciate the kind of life i got because there were like different kind of experiences which probably i would have missed out if i have chosen and i don't know because i haven't gone that route but Sitting here right now in 2019, I don't think that I would change anything because I still appreciate. And I I would say that like the company I work for, Cummins actually, I have to give them a highest credit for this because they are known for their work-life balance. And because of this, uh, I'm free after five o'clock. And after that I have probably I would five or six hours and plus the weekend. Yeah. And that 
gives you a lot of i would say bandwidth to work on things and you are not actually bound with the other things or restricted right actually. you have that freedom to do whatever it is outside yes, of work exactly. i like how you mentioned the uh the engineering thing because i get that a lot as well uh-huh. uh on the previous interviews uh or the podcast we talked to david baker and go through his background which is very technical mm-hmm. so he's doing like an it but he's trying to get in the creative field and work on projects with me and you yourself have the engineering background going into the creative field. I also have an engineering <laughs> yeah. background, yeah. Uh, MET degree, went to Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, and immediately upon finishing school, went straight into you know the filmmaking, got hired by a company to do the filmmaking work. And prior to that, it was a year and a half internship of doing you know video work, photo work, all the creative stuff. And I, I agree like wholeheartedly. So many people will ask you, why did you do engineering yeah. if you'd rather do something else? But they overlap so much. Exactly, because it's all about technology. And now, that as we are moving more and more towards digital, uh, coming from the film world, I think th- th- this is th- our engineering knowledge always helps in the problem solving. Mm-hmm. I would say that like something goes wrong with the camera or light or anything, at least you have that backup knowledge with you, which which you can utilize. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just understanding how how lenses work. Yes. So like, t- when you take a physics class, you're gonna, the class is going to un- explain exposure. They're going to teach aperture. And whether or not they actually call it that, whenever you're taking a physics class, is you're working with lenses and you're understanding how ref- refraction works and yeah. how light bends around mm-hmm. uh, certain shapes. Uh, and all, all that really does come into play. And you can tell it, at least for me, whenever mm-hmm. I'm watching certain films, you, you have so much more appreciation for people that get the physics right. Yes, yeah. With VFX yes, work, with yes. like falls, like whatever, the, whatever it is, if you have that technical mindset and a creative mindset, you can make projects go above and beyond to the next level right? that's true and now uh, because audience is much more i would say knowledgeable because of the internet because of the i would say just social platforms where they know more stuff about filmmaking 20 years ago i think and plus i think the cell phones becoming like more and more powerful i think everybody has some sort of a film making knowledge with the instagram stories and the facebook yeah. videos i think so i think it, having that technical knowledge always helps i guess yeah no i i definitely agree and um is there it talk about like all the films and, and all the media everyone's inspired by something different for me coming into it it was youtube like i saw these i i always saw movies and i thought they were cool i really like star wars and all that but coming in and seeing YouTube videos, I never had aspirations for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to make cool VFX videos. I want to make shorts on, sh- on YouTube. Was there a piece of work or, or some sort of content, a movie, or like just a short skit that you saw that was like, I, I really want to make this. How? Oh, I'm inspired. There, there, there are many. <laughs> so I would tell you this, uh, that any Indian you take, people from India, they are fascinated by films. Mm-hmm. Because uh, India, that like, I, and I wouldn't exaggerate things, but in India, sometimes films become a religion. Really? That, that, that much passionate people are, even if they are not making a career in it, career in it but everybody watches films. As a, and that is like a kind of a family outing together. Uh, so yeah, I have like a lot of references where I was, uh, what do you call it as? Uh, was motivated or like driven by the fact but at that point i think maybe in my childhood i never looked at it in that way that like okay i want to make it but probably in recent three four years i started digging more into filmmaking and started watching world cinema i think but one filmmaker who like inspired me a lot is hitchcock i think and when i saw the psycho i think that that was uh, that was moment that like okay this guy like 
presents the movie more from the visual point of view rather than like like dialogues and stuff and yeah. that was and even for this film i think that was the one of the inspiration saying that like to use minimum of dialogues and tell the story more from the camera point of view i think mm-hmm. but yeah that, that is one filmmaker who actually inspired a lot right yeah. uh, i can kind of tell that so whenever we shot your video and I was, you know cinematography like i was trying to get an understanding of the vision that you wanted and as we're shooting it if you watch that video <laughs> you can remove the audio on your short film mm-hmm. and still understand probably 99% of what happens like it, it, it tells itself in a way and then the narration was a nice touch mm-hmm. and i think it, it really brings it to life but your ability to tell the story without even needing the um w- without needing the dialogue was really impressive and that goes back to like you mentioned tell a story three times once with the script once with the shooting and once with the uh, with the edit the final mm-hmm. edit going out yeah and especially I, i would credit this back to the uh, to the story writer harsh mahadeshwar he's a writer on this film and he he actually suggested that like try using less of a dialogues because you save a lot of time that like syncing your sound in a post because 48 hours every minute counts i mm-hmm. think so that was the main brief from his side as well Uh, so it was all in the screenplay mainly that like the way he written it it was all uh, visually and that is one i would say take away for the 48 hours film would be that like try minimizing the dialogues uh, that will help you uh, be more creative on the editing i think yeah and i think we can go back a little further now <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of your recent projects where you want to be but Uh, I think the farthest back we've gone so far is talking about kind of like your character work mm-hmm. and that creative side you had back in India. What does um like what was your upbringing like overseas? What was it like with your family? Mm-hmm. Um you mentioned that you always had this creative like itch mm-hmm. that you were always trying to fulfill. Um could you describe for some of the people that aren't familiar what it's like over there? Yeah, so uh, I come from a small town uh, in India called Vengurla. uh and that is probably the size of columbus i would say exactly right. the similar size uh, upbringing is mainly the coastal region my father was a teacher um so he's mo- he was more into the books and reading newspapers so he cultivated those habits into me uh and the first life life changing moment for me was i like i, I had a summer vacation after my 10 um when i passed out from the 10th and he gave me a autobiography of one of the biggest uh, caricature artists um rk lakshman he is one of india's uh, renowned caricature artists okay. so he gave me his autobiography and told me to read it and after that one month i finished that entire book and i don't know somehow i started thinking that like his life story and my life story until that when i was like 14 years yeah. were pretty much similar because i was a kind of brat i like <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were always worried about that like what i'm doing uh, and <laughs> what all the things I, i i i'll be getting myself in trouble with uh, so i started connecting dots and thinking that like and since i was like maybe i think in the second grade or third grade i used to draw so i thought that like okay this would be a good extension of normal drawing i think because caricature is uh, probably more about observation how you look at people and identify the small uh, flaws in their faces i think <laughs> i would <The> say flaws. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that helped and uh, with that book i started actually uh, copying the caricatures from uh, other artists started reading about them and that actually uh, gave me a edge over like trying to like set myself apart mm-hmm. and i worked almost 
for like seven years as a caricature artist for the newspapers. Uh, but I, I would say again, linking back to the filmmaking skills, that caricature artist, uh, because for caricature, you have to draw cartoon strips mm-hmm. uh, where you have to tell a story in a one picture or like one sketch. Uh, where you are literally telling some sort of a bigger message in that one and that helps back into the filmmaking plus it helps in the casting process interesting Be- yeah okay. and it's a weird thing to say but because uh, as a caricature artist you have a keen observation you can uh, similarize the faces you can find a similarity between the faces so whatever you have written, like or writer has written into the script, you can tie it back, visualize it easily, I think. Mm-hmm. And that helps in the casting process that like how the character should look or should yeah. not look, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot of times whenever you're doing decision-making and filmmaking, it's important not just to know what you want, mm-hmm. but sometimes you don't. Yeah. So then you have to figure out, well, what do I not want? Like, mm-hmm. what's the opposite? And then let's, and that kind of cultivates and, and will define the direction you want to move towards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so taking <laughs> that was my major chunk of the childhood uh, years, I think, and then I got into the college. I was a really shy person, uh, means like I had a stage fear. So in one of the engineering years, uh, I failed. So I had like one <laughs> so I the had whole, a, the whole year or one class one year oh my gosh one year so I had a oh, <laughs> this is funny story so I had like one year gap so I was sitting home so my mom is like okay if you are not doing anything just go and explore the theater there was a theater group in my uh, hometown mm-hmm. so she pushed me to actually go and like try out theater and that's where the this entire bug of filmmaking or acting or all those things started actually yeah so I explored the acting there uh, and that actually really inspired me to actually do more stuff and going back into the school after that one year gap Mm -hmm. I started like performing more on the stage like I started directing my own plays I was also doing the dance uh, performances and that actually whole thing gave me a different life I think because now I knew that like okay I can do this and that was giving me different kind of high I think so the performing art uh, is like a big part of my life which actually took me back to this filmmaking journey yeah there's usually i mean there's an infinite number of ways to move up through Mm -hmm. a process uh, as far as learning and experience and growth and how you get to those like management roles in a company or like the director roles in filmmaking either you were on a fast track where you know they they're they're cultivating like they're um, putting you through mentorships to be a leader within you know five to ten years Mm -hmm. And there's other people that go around and learn every part of a process. So uh, for engineering, you might go into drafting, which mm-hmm. is actually what my route was going initially. Mm-hmm. I, so you start out in drafting and then you work to quality. So then you understand how the products was uh, designed and then you understand why they fail or most commonly where they fail. And then you can move into like R&D. So then you're able to start developing changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. And after a certain point, you can work your way up to those managerial roles, the director roles, the VP roles, Mm -hmm. because you have this knowledge of oversight. Um, And and generally, you have those two routes. But in your case, uh, while you did have experience with the acting, you had experience with the writing, the characters, and understand the casting, you had a little bit of everything. uh, But you didn't have the formal training. No. You never went to school for it. What has been the most impactful uh, way to learn for you? Has it been YouTube tutorials? Mm-hmm. Has it been like you had a friend that taught you how to use Premiere? Did you uh, 
did you pay for online classes? Like where, where did all this information, did you just work on it, practice, and you eventually picked it up? Yeah, so I would, I would credit completely. I, I would say 99% of my learning came from YouTube. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think I would, I would credit back to YouTube. So 99%, I, I was just literally, I was shooting some stuff on my cell phone used to go back and watch a tutorial on how to do sky replacement and try yeah. to implement it back. And that's how I learned, I think. So, and after that, I think I joined other classes like masterclass. So the, on the masterclass, there are like different filmmakers who teach you, but no formal training, I would say, just mainly 99% YouTube, I guess. Was there one class over one YouTube video that, I mean, you mentioned sky replacement, but was there like one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, this changes everything about how I edit? <sighs> I would say just, basically just using the transition because the one transition which I would say uh, I love to use and I think it goes back uh, when films weren't shot on digital cameras, mm -hmm. going back to the films, is the dissolve. The dissolve? <laughs> yeah, I, I know this is a weird thing to say, but that is one of the transition which I end up using a lot. And there was one video which actually talked specifically about this one transition that like how different ways what different ways you can use that dissolved transition and how it can impact your videos, I think. Yeah. I know this is <laughs> this is an extremely weird thing to say, but yeah, that like dissolved transition, that is the one thing. Well, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's weird at all. It's, it's like anything. It's in, in, as far as the fundamentals of engineering goes, you ha are given a tool mm -hmm. and you have to use your problem solving mindset. Like how many different ways can I use this tool to convey different messages? How many different results can I get using this one variable? <laughs> and I think that's that's a really cool principle to take away. Yeah. Um, just in general, so it's all about problem solving. Yeah, 100%. And plus I think Indie Mogul was the one of the channel which was actually uh, one of the key for me that like to learn because they were teaching about the frugal filmmaking mm -hmm. and like how, what are the best ways to do it. So that was the one, one of the channels which actually motivated me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you work with a lot of people mm -hmm. that ask a lot of questions like why'd you go into engineering? <laughs> um, I, I'm sure a number of other things. What is the question either you get the most or the biggest under misunderstanding about what it is that you do or what it is about filmmaking or directing like is there a question that you get over and over again oh uh, yes means like mainly uh, i would say that like three or four years ago that question these kind of questions used to come more often but now i think because of the technology development or like just because of the sheer internet uh, everybody's kind of aware of what you're doing but mainly that like people who i work because mainly i think i work with the people i I work in the office, yeah. Uh, so most of them are not from the film background, so I have to literally teach them exactly what are the steps. So most of them didn't know exactly what is the difference between the producer, director, what exactly director does, because yeah. they initially thought the director is the one who actually directs, plus I think uh, like do everything together. So that mm -hmm. is a one-stop shop sort of thing. So yeah, I would say, but now I think in last one year or so, everybody is pretty much aware of the filmmaking. So I don't get that many silly questions. And plus, I think I don't uh, work that much uh, now, I think, I, because the last two years, I, I'm trying to work more and more with the people who are professional. And that that, that, that was the whole takeaway from last couple, three years of 48 hours, thinking yeah. that like I have HODs or the head of the department who know their stuff. And that was the main, I would say, 
turning point for this year's 48 hours film that like i had a writer who know knew his stuff i had a cinematographer who was amazing yeah, who knew thanks. his stuff <laughs> so exactly so that 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 i i'm trying to stay away from that zone i guess now so for people that are watching or listening mm. and they don't know what the difference is between a producer and a director could mm. you explain that briefly yeah so uh, i would say that like director who's i would say the director's vision is what brings everything together uh, so director is a one person who is trying to uh, finish the project in time uh, like see the end film how it will look like and producer is one who helps director to achieve that vision and provide all the amenities to make it happen i would mm-hmm. say okay i don't know if i explain it in a nutshell no. <laughs> I, I think that was pretty well spoken you got the you got the main guy that's mm-hmm. kind of like a project manager mm-hmm. and then you have that team lead mm-hmm. and the project manager is generally the one trying to help the team lead meet goals meet deadlines meet expectations yeah we're in an engineering town so exactly it, it's a fair <laughs> evaluation <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, we have a, a couple more questions that we're going to throw out mm-hmm. i think we're all we're getting to the closing here but yeah. uh, for people that are creative that mm-hmm. may be in a technical background or just just in general, what is your advice for people that are interested in what you do? Uh, just keep doing stuff because now I think now is the time when you cannot come come up with any sort of excuses because you your phones are as powerful they can shoot 4K videos now. Yeah. So just do it. I think and even you don't need a bigger laptop at least to get started with. Mm-hmm. You can edit on your phone. There are like different sort of app which you can do it. So there is no reason not to do it. If yeah. you like it, just go ahead and do it. I think. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because like the phones nowadays. Anything that's coming out in the last like two years is more powerful than cameras from five, six years ago. Oh, yes. It's yeah. by far. And uh, the computers, same with them, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, because this is perfect timing, I think. In 2019 or like last three or four years, you have all sort of avenues. YouTube has changed the whole game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no excuses not to learn anything. You don't need to go anywhere physically because you can find out 10 reasons not to go there because it might take 20 minutes to drive there. But now you can just sit in your uh, on your laptop and learn all those things. So yeah, I think, yeah. I, I've seen people put out some really good high quality videos mm-hmm. and they were edited on their own cell phones. Yeah, so exactly. shoot, edit, you write, shoot, edit, repeat all from one device. You can even exactly. upload from a phone now. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's completely changing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think that's, other than asking you where people can find you, people with questions that, uh, if you're willing to mm-hmm. answer those questions, where can they contact you um, as far as social media, email, that type of thing? Yeah, so on Facebook, uh, we have our uh, Facebook page called Manmoji Films. And I know this is going to be difficult to type in. <laughs> uh, so probably I think you can leave the link below. But yep, link it's M A N M A U J I films okay. uh, on Facebook and it's the same YouTube channel. All right. M-A-N? M-A-N-M-A-U-J-I okay. films. Okay. Manmoji. Manmoji. And Manmoji means fil- free-spirited. Free-spirited. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I've always wondered what it meant, so yeah. I'm glad we uh, cleared that one up. Um, and then I think we had oh, one one more thing. I'm just, I always try to keep my notes up, but uh, I forgot to leave the screen open. Is there anything last last bit that you want to share with people, uh, whether it's advice, something about yourself, uh, any introspective pieces, anything like that? Uh, I would say just get into different sort of a film festivals or like different types of competitions because competition is one thing which uh, pushes you to mm-hmm. do things which you will never imagine because 
and this is the worst thing for me i think and i am trying to break that that i only sometimes are like there are years where i ended up making just one film and that is just through this 48 hours film yeah. but i think just get into the competition get out there and do it i think you will make mistakes don't don't be afraid to make mistakes and make fun of yourself i think but you'll end up learning something yeah all right well thanks abby appreciate you Thank coming you. in uh talking about your past uh and everything that you're trying to attain in this life going with the strong with the filmmaking hey if uh people are tuning in and they want to follow up with abby he got his contacts uh we'll have those description um links below Uh, if you're watching on Spotify, you can find him on Facebook now. If you guys know of anybody that is uh, creative, an individual, or you know maybe they work for a company, but maybe like Cummins, mm-hmm. and you think that they would be a great fit to come on, share some of their talents, share what it is that they do, or you just think they have a great story, uh, let us know. Comment section below. Uh, reach out to us, and we'd be happy to have them as well. I'm sure there's a lot of really good stories out there like Abby's. Uh, other than that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and thanks for coming in Abby. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It was great working with you and hopefully we'll work on many more projects like yep. this. All right, man. Have a good one. Hey, thank you. Oh.